Podcast listeners, uh, I don't have my mics with me, so I'm recording this with the built-in mics on the Zoom. Uh, apologies for the weirdness of tone. Uh, I've already <laughs> this is like my third shot at this, and the first couple um, the peas were popping and it wasn't working. So uh, I'll do my best with this, and then we'll get right into the podcast. I'm at a place called Shaishai, which is a few hours north of Maputo, the capital of Mozambique. I'm at a friend's beach house. Uh, if you hear birds singing or waves crashing, those are uh, Mozambican birds, and the waves are Indian Ocean waves lapping up on the, the rocks down a few hundred meters from here. Yeah, beach house, man. Beach house is one of those things, I think there's a whole, there's a whole class of things that uh, I've discovered. It's better to have friends who have them than to have them yourself. Uh, beach house, uh, horses, ski chalets, uh, yachts or boats of any kind, children, certainly, um, possibly wives, depending uh, how, how uh, liberal you are about those sorts of things. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I just like to travel pretty light through life and... Um, and uh, as hassle-free as possible. And so it's great when you've got friends who have a boat, you go out on the boat for a week, you say thank you, that was wonderful, and you leave and he's gotta deal with the barnacles, you know, uh, and the taxes and the docking fees and the repairs and the maintenance and all the bullshit that comes with boats. Um, and I think we can extrapolate from that to, uh, to other things, other elements of life. But anyway, here I am. You know, I was on this 130-foot yacht a couple months ago off the coast of Canada, and now we're at a beautiful beach house in Mozambique. Uh, probably, if you put a, drove a nail through the earth perpendicular to Vancouver, you might come out in Mozambique. I'm not sure. Certainly not far from here. Like when they used to say, if you dug a hole deep enough, you'd come out in China. Well, it's that kind of thing. Uh, anyway, Mozambique, amazing, interesting place. Great fruit, great seafood, really, really good seafood. Uh, happy people, interesting post-colonial scene here. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know. I'm definitely, you know, if you follow my politics at all, you know I'm very much anti-colonialist. I'm anti-exploitation of anyone by anyone. Um, but it's strange. It's strange to be in a place like this where you look around and all the beautiful buildings are falling apart. All the... You know, there, there are so many signs of decay and faded grandeur. And you say, well, 
okay, uh, is it working better now? Are fewer people hungry now? Are, is there more uh, equal distribution of wealth now than there was under the Portuguese colonialists? I don't really know. Um, I've spoken to various people about it and everybody's got a different opinion. The general consensus seems to be pretty much along the lines of the great Who song, Don't Get Fooled Again, or We Won't Get Fooled Again, I think it's called. Uh, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. And that seems to be what happens so often. You know, and, and I think that's because it's not really about political philosophy. It's about scales and systems that are uh, applicable to controlling, uh, governing millions of people and distributing resources among millions of people. And it just seems capitalism works better for that. And there's a certain amount of corruption that uh, gets built into that. Oh, there's the one of the neighbors on the, his little 4x4 four four running around being a dick, as people tend to be with their 4x4s. Four anyway, listen, uh, enough politics. Um, we can talk about that another time. I want to say thank you to David Meehan for his beautiful emails, Christopher Harrison for his beautiful emails and all the rest of you who have written to me who I forgot to set aside or take a note or whatever. I try to answer everybody, even if it's only to say, I'm sorry, I don't have time to answer very much, but uh, I really do appreciate the emails and the contacts and the tweets and the, the various, um, you know, the ways that we can communicate with each other. It's, it's nice that this isn't a completely one directional thing. Uh, also, of course, a shout-out to the lovely, lovely Elizabeth in Australia who tells me I have a sexy voice. That's always nice to hear. I hope it still comes through on these, these mics. <laughs> anyway, uh, this uh, podcast, this episode is brought to you by SF Bags. Very cool. Very cool stuff. I'm looking at my laptop sleeve right now, even as I say this. I think it's, I bought this five, six years ago, and it's, it lasts longer than the computers that go into it. It looks brand new. It, their stuff is really good. Um, look, I'm not saying if I got offered a million dollars by Coca-Cola to, to talk about how great Coca-Cola is that I wouldn't do it, all right? I probably would, but I wouldn't be spending that money buying Coca-Cola because I don't drink the shit, but... I do use SF bags. They're fantastic. I've used, I've had all sorts of stuff from them. And in fact, they're paying me for this sponsorship, this, uh, you know, this talk up that I'm doing right now in a backpack. They're giving me one of their Stad backpacks, S-T-A-A-D, which I'm really looking forward to. So uh, that's how much I like them. I love them. I would, I would, I've, been talking about their stuff for to my friends and buying gifts and all that so it's made in the u.s really high quality sexy nice designs comfortable they have this shoulder strap for their um their shoulder bags their laptop bags that's elastic i don't know why everybody doesn't do this it's a real high quality elastic so when you walk the bag doesn't really pull down on your shoulder it just sort of rides 
and, and just gracefully rides on your shoulder. Their, their stuff is really smart, very well designed. So if you've got a slick back, uh, slick laptop, you've got a slick phone, you've got slick iPads and all this stuff that you spend lots of money for, it's really uh, worth considering uh, getting a really high quality protection for it. Their sleeves are fantastic. If you want to go real basic, just get a sleeve with a shoulder strap. And, and you can like slip that into another backpack, you've already got a backpack, whatever, or you can just go minimalist, you know, throw your computer in the sleeve and away you go. They're, they're wonderful. You can put a flap on it or not, you can put the D-rings on it or a pocket on it. They've got all this, it's sort of custom, custom made stuff. So check them out, sfbags.com, they're great. Um, they don't normally do sponsorships. I think this is the first podcast sponsorship they've done, so they're not, set up with discount codes and you know all that kind of stuff so in the comments or, or whatever when they ask where you heard about them just mention me uh, that'll be cool that way they know that uh, something's actually coming from from this sponsorship and then maybe they'll get into it a little more uh, what else sure design t-shirts always always they're the best sure design t-shirts.com check them out uh, they're based in in Chiang Mai Thailand they make really nice stuff, great designs, really comfortable, stretchy, 100% cotton, super, super soft and just great material. Um, I don't know what it is. There's no spandex in it. I, I don't know how they do it, but it's some special process that makes the cotton a little bit stretchy and very strong. It's fantastic. So, shortdesigntshirts.com, their stuff is cheap, they're, they're always offering discounts, uh, if you follow them on Twitter, they're always uh, throwing up discount codes for the holidays, uh, but you can always mention me, uh, mention Duncan, mention Daniele Bolelli, you get 10% uh, off uh, on your order, so uh, Shore Design sponsors all of us, so it's very cool, very generous and uh, consistent sponsorship and support from Sure Design t-shirts. You can of course get the Sex of Dawn shirt or the new, brand new, tangentially speaking shirts or hoodies at uh, my site, chrisryanphd.com. If you're not listening to the podcast via my site, you probably get it on Stitcher or iTunes or whatever. Go to my site, check it out, chrisryanphd.com. Uh, hit the tangentially speaking tab. That's where you'll see uh, donate button if you want to donate if you are going to buy some stuff at Amazon like you're going to buy all your friends copies of Sex at Dawn for example it's been known to happen uh, just go through my site and we'll get I don't know 3% of whatever you spend at Amazon if you're buying some big ass 42 inch Samsung TV please go through my site and we'll get a percentage of what you're spending on that uh, costs you nothing and sponsor, you know uh, supports the podcast so that's cool right uh, that's it I think that's it so let's get into this podcast I'm sorry that some of these seem a little dated like this one I recorded with Ari Shafir when I was in Manhattan in August I think you'll hear us moaning about how muggy and humid the subways are that's obviously not uh, the case at the moment I you know I, I I'm not really a saver if you look at my bank account you'll you'll agree I'm not much of a saver but 
for some reason with these podcasts, I, I bank a bunch of them and I'm just like always thinking I'm going to run out of interesting people to talk to or I'm, you know, whatever, I'm going to hit a dry spell and I want to have them ready to go. But at this point, you know, they're, they're getting six months old. So I've decided I'm going to, um, it's not really fair to the guests, you know, that they, you know, they do a, an interview and then, you know, it takes six months for them to even hear it. So uh, I'm, I'm releasing them every week now instead of uh, every two weeks as I was. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to trust that uh, I'll, keep, I'll keep finding interesting people to talk to and uh, we'll, I won't run out. And if I do, I'll go back to twice a month. Yeah, whatever. If I get busy, busy working on other stuff. So uh, thanks for listening. Really appreciate your support. Appreciate your emails, your tweets, uh, and everything and your, your donations and, uh, and your, your love, however you express it. So, hope you enjoy this interview, this, not an interview, what the fuck am I saying, this conversation I had with Ari Shafir at the Jane Hotel. Hey, this is kind of sponsored by the Jane Hotel, too, because the Jane Hotel, they treat me right when I go there. They, they, it's a great hotel, really. If, if you're ever in New York, you know, and you or you live in New York, and you've got friends who are coming to town, and you really are tired of people sleeping on your sofa. Send them to the Jane. It's reasonably priced. You get a single room there for I think it's 125 bucks, which is cheap in New York. Um, but it's anything but dingy. It's cool. It's a funky, historical place. Uh, Ari and I recorded this in the the bar lounge area, which is like some 19th century gentleman's club or something with, you know, velvet sofas and stuffed animals all over the place. It's, it's, uh, it's kitschy in a cool, funky kind of way. The rooms are, you get these micro rooms that are like a berth on a train, but you're in Manhattan, right? So you're not going to be hanging out in your room all day. You're, you go there to sleep, you get up in the morning, you go back out and you do your stuff, you enjoy the city. So, uh, if that's your thing, if you're in New York, you want to stay in a nice place, West Village, cool vibe, uh, you know, beautiful, young, hip crowd, interesting place right on the, the Hudson, right on the river there. Check out the Jane Hotel. It's uh, really an interesting place. Okay. Hope you enjoy this conversation with Ari the Great, who I think at the moment is in Amsterdam. I follow him on Instagram, and I think he just posted a photo from Amsterdam where he was complaining about motherfucking swans, I think. That's quoting him, motherfucking swans. Uh, hope you enjoy this conversation. I did. Ciao. Can you hear the music with the headphones? Well, I hear the music. I'm but not, it's not sure that whether bad. it's from the headphones or not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, the music seems to have gotten louder. I think it's it. No one's spinning yet. So they're going to make us pay them to turn it down like the Mexicans with the leaf blowers in L.A. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are here in the in the bar of the Jane Hotel in it's Manhattan. A cool hotel. On a beautiful day. One of the nicest days in New York. It's great. I, I got back yesterday. From Nashville. From Nashville. When I left, it was like those 102. It was like a whole week of 100-plus degree days. In New York. In New York, humid. And yeah, now this is what summer's all about. Yeah, well, until yesterday, it sucked. Oh, really? And we've been here for three oh, nice. days. And it was steamy, horrible. Yeah. 
you know, and you get into the subways, it's like walking into a fucking oh, stinky subways, oven. Because it's been going for so long. It's been bad yeah. for so long down there. So it's just like, even when it's cooler upstairs, yeah, like in the air, yeah. down there it's horrible. So I think we better, I better hold the mic too. Yeah, that way it'll drown out the music. <laughs> yeah, it'll level it out. <laughs> so we asked for permission to record here in the Jane Hotel, and the surly waitress went and got permission and then turned up the music Yeah, as soon as we got out the mics. Yeah, I wonder why she... You think she does? She seems cunty. <laughs> she does. She does have a cuntishness about her, like, doesn't she? Hipster, like HBO girls, kind of, kind of <laughs> like oh, whatever. Like she's not trying to be mean, but she is. She's better than us. <laughs> but she's really not. No, she's not. Uh, I mean, she is. Right, but she knows she's not, God, which she's is why she though. acts like. She, is she? Yeah. She, um, looks, she looks like my friend's uh, girlfriend too. Um, so I noticed when I came in. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm attracted to youth, man. You're attracted to youth. Yeah. Be careful. <laughs> Be careful with that. <laughs> Registered sex offender. Oh yeah, I know. You're just one step away. Well, it how, really how youthful? By the way, I'm with uh, Ari Shafir. For oh, yeah. those of you who <laughs> don't know, I mean, Ari. I, I, oh, Ari. No, yeah. see, I thought it was Ari, and I was saying it wrong. You. you thought you were saying it wrong? Yeah, because <laughs> you know I say things the Spanish way, because I've been in Spain so long. So A R I in Spanish would be Ari. Oh, right? really? And then the so whole time, assumed, like, I assumed that, that I was wrong and that you had corrected me that it's Ari. And so the whole time I'm thinking, it's Ari. It's not Ari. Stop it. Even though Ari sounds better and Ari sounds kind of weird, but that's the American <laughs> style. You know? no, that's the redneck style of saying it. <laughs> Ari. Nina Simone, man. It's yeah. One of the few songs I recognize. It's a good song. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ari. So you got it right. All right. So I've been right all the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the most. When I grew up in North Carolina, that was the way people just like. I just said yes after a while because it wasn't worth correcting everybody constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Ari. Okay. Anyway, we're at the Jane <laughs> Hotel in the bar, which is like, how would you describe this bar? This is like gothic, retro. It's kind of like, you know, like an old, like a Downton Abbey if nobody had like changed the furniture in a yeah. hundred years. Well, your girl was saying it's all the... Uh um, was saying it's all like I'm used to talking to comics. 52 year old yeah. wife. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's talking to comics. You're, <laughs> you're so attracted to youth, you see it where it doesn't exist. That's yeah, what she was saying. It's a uh, 52, really? She looks yeah, great. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, a uh, like sailing theme, but I'm like, not in here, it's not. Here it's just weird. Yeah, yeah. So like no, this is like ram. a grand ballroom. There's a there's a stuffed ram with a bell around its neck. He's yeah. not ringing that bell very much these days, <laughs> no. is he? Yeah, <laughs> taxidermied. And a lot of uh, velvet furniture, stuffed uh, long portraits, plump, plump furniture. This is cool. It looks like it's shining. Would 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 have a room like this in it? Yeah. yeah. Especially with this music going too. Actually, so I was telling uh, Ari that this this hotel. Um, in exchange for permission to record here, I'm, I got to talk up the hotel. Okay, yeah. And and we've been upgraded to a captain's room, so it's the least I could fucking do. <laughs> Thank you, AJ. If you listen to this, AJ's the front desk manager who uh, uh, kicked us up to a captain's room. But the, the it's a nautical hotel. It was built for sailors, and the whole idea was like a cheap place for sailors to spend the night. And so the rooms are like a berth on a ship. They're they're tiny micro rooms. It's like those Japanese airport rooms almost, you know, where oh, they yeah. put you in a capsule, you know, at the airport. It's a place to sleep. That's it's it. it's a sleep cubicle. Yeah. yeah. Which in Manhattan is all you really need, you know. I mean you don't come to New York and hang out okay, in your hotel in room. room. Yeah, you know? you're right. Um 
And it's cheap. It's 115 bucks for a single, 125 for a double. But you'll be in bunks, so you're not going to do a lot of fucking in your a room. A double really is like two people in one room. <laughs> not, <laughs> not a shared experience at all. You could maybe fuck standing up. That's about, you know, yeah. And what'd you say what happened with Titanic? Oh, the Titanic. This is where they brought the survivors of the Titanic. When they, <laughs> I love that. They dragged him in. The bedraggled, you know, soaked, traumatized survivors, and they brought him to a nautical Stay hotel. Stay in rooms that look like a bunk. <laughs> You're going down again. Man, you must wake up. They must have woken up with, like, frights. A couple of them. Like, they're going down. And they're like, wait, am I? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> where am I? Where am I? So speaking of where am I, you now live in New York. When we yeah. last spoke, it was I, I didn't know till the very end of the podcast. Yeah. We were hanging out in your apartment in Hollywood and like, you know, five minutes from the end of the podcast, you let slip that you were moving to New York in a week. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't make a big deal of it to people. Yeah, you were like, very I'm gonna go. Like a, a week before moving, I would have been, you know, too stressed to be doing podcasts <laughs> with losers really. like me for sure. I had an apartment already, so I was like, all right. Yeah, it was happy. I didn't make a big deal out of it to anybody. A couple people, like, what are you doing? I was like, I think I'm going to be in New York. Yeah. And that was all I told people. And you just up and, yeah. up and left. Yeah. So I Nina wanted to Simone shake up my life a little bit. Say, you know, yeah. up and left. You know, My first girlfriend Dog that I was in Virginia, too, was, was into Nina Simone. Oh, really? Kate Hicks, yeah. Kate. She got me into it. She, did you Did you do a podcast with her not too long ago? No, she won't talk to me. Oh, because another ex-girlfriend that you did yeah, a podcast maybe. with. Yeah, yeah. Stevie Ryan. Right. Yeah. Stevie Ryan? Yeah. Oh, Irish. <laughs> White trash. <laughs> None of that. It's the same thing. I guess What's so. Yeah, difference? you're right. It's <laughs> two generations. It blends in real easily. <laughs> I mean, the best white trash is Irish. Yeah. It's the whitest of white trash. Yeah. yeah, I just recently did a podcast with a guy, Thaddeus Russell, who's a... Um, uh, sort of a renegade historian. He wrote a book called The Renegade History of the United States. Mm-hmm. And he, it's all about uh, the colonial period seen from, like, the through the eyes of low-class people. The, the Irish oh, really? and the whores and the blacks. And, yeah. And, you know, he makes the argument, which I think is a great argument, that everything good about America came from uh, people who were considered Dance, shit. music. Yeah. Um, Jazz, the, yeah. The, the visual arts, the best writing. You the know. best writing, you think? Well, Walt Whitman. Oh, yeah, you know, right. He was a The educated fag. people of those, of yeah. those groups. Right. Right. I mean, well, of course, you have to be literate to be yeah. a writer to some extent. Um, but music, you don't. No. You can be an idiot. Definitely. Not well, sure. or not literate. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, why the hell am I That's talking about that? Oh, oh, he was yeah. saying that uh, that the Irish were considered lower than blacks, that they were the niggers of the north, and yeah. that they were or white niggers, and that they were considered um, like the blacks. You know, there were these scales of human development where the, you know the British gentleman was the highest. Irish were below Africans. Wow. Yeah. Well, they were always indentured servants in America. Yeah. I had a friend, Brett Ernst, who broke up a Super Bowl party one year because he would not let it rest that Irish people had it harder in this country than black people. <laughs> and we're like, all right, man. And he just kept pushing it. We didn't want to talk about it anymore. Were there black people at the no, party? No, there weren't. But enough is enough. And eventually people just started leaving. They just didn't want to hear it anymore. Talk about it. And it broke up the whole party. Really? Yeah. That sucks, man. Yeah. He would not let it go. Like, before the game was even over? No, the leave? game ended. But it was oh. going to go all night. We were, like, kicking into second gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I'm just like, yeah, fine. All right, they had it harder. Like, no, they had it harder. 
He wouldn't let it go. And there were no black people at the party <laughs> to be offended. It just got too annoying. Yeah, you got to really push to yeah, offend like, white fine, people man. with your... Yeah, you plus, know. we're all comics, so we can get racist. You're all what? We're all comedians. Oh, comedians right. Comedians' wives. Right. So we can get plenty racist and right. fun. Yeah. It was just too it, much for us. It yeah. was like there was no joke to it. Yeah. So we were like, just, all right. And he was just like a boorish drunk, apparently. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't drunk, but yeah, probably he was he actually back then. Irish. He was Italian. That was the problem. He was Guido-ish. You know, I... My I, least I, favorite quality. Oh, he was Guido-ish. Guido-ish, yeah. <laughs> I, okay, here, here's the thing that just came to mind, which I, I probably should not talk about, but yeah. what the hell. You know, when you're with a comic, you talk about things you probably shouldn't talk about. Yeah. Um, I, all right, I, I, I think uh, all uh, everyone knows I'm not racist. I hope so. Yeah. And my wife's half black yeah. for what that's worth. <laughs> but... Um, I've Is that never. Black? Really? Yeah, we just found out actually. Oh. She did a DNA test, a twenty three and Me thing, and uh, she always thought she was completely Indian. Yeah. Turns out she's thirty nine percent African. Wow. So wait, wait, you can just te- blood test yourself? Uh, it's a saliva test. How much was it? One hundred and twenty bucks. Wow. You can find out if you got but any black in you. You know what? They gave it to me for free. Why? Because I said I would blog about it. Wow. So if you write to them and say, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a big-ass podcaster and, you know, whatever, and I'd like to do this and I'll talk about it, then they'll probably give it to you for That's free. That's cool. I thought yeah. she was just from wherever Vijay Singh was, whatever island that was. Vijay Singh? Yeah, I don't know. He's a golfer. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah, well, he's Singh, so he's probably Sikh. Really? Um, which would be from Africa, I mean, from um, the North Punjab uh, oh, okay. region of India. Yeah, but, you know, they're all over the world. Indians are everywhere. So, But she thought she was completely Indian. She was born and raised in Mozambique, in Africa. Oh. Um, but she thought it was just 39%. all 39%. Yeah, she's 39%. And not only African from the Bantu uh, wow, people down that much? who come from, the, she's got the oldest line of DNA in the human tree. Which goes back to the pygmies. Wow. So somehow somebody was fucking pygmies in her family. <laughs> Before AIDS. But anyway, listen, yeah. here's, here's the thing that I was thinking about. It's, it's like a lot of black Americans say axed. Uh-huh. I axed you a question. Yeah. Right? Or I escaped from, you know, whatever. And I've I've never understood why do they do that switch? It's it's yeah. you know there's I talked weird to a girl in Nashville two days ago who was doing this. One of the waitresses, really, Tori, the waitress, yeah. And it's like uh, completely literate people, as yeah. you know, and whatever. Everybody's got their quirks, but that seems to be something that's nearly universal in Black Americans, right? Yeah. So years ago, when I was working in New York, I had a secretary uh, who was black, and we were friends, and she was cool, and everything was great. And one night. One afternoon, she asked you a question. She came in and she said, you know, okay, I asked so-and-so to come at 4 o'clock instead of 3 o'clock. And I said to her, I said, can I ask you a question? You know I'm not racist, right? She said, yeah. I said, why do... No, I, should, I, I fucked up. I should say this woman... She's from the Bronx, but she had like she had a cousin in London or something, and she yeah. had she had like spent some time in London, and sometimes she would like affect a, a British accent, you know, whatever. But anyway, so I said, "Why do people? Why do black people say axed?" And she looked at me and she said, "Excuse me, oxed." you know it's just it's just not there we corrected that girl in nashville and she she we were making fun of her and she goes all right and she they're like it's ask and she goes axed 
I'm like, no. You just had that's two What's K's the way you just said it. Yeah. Asks. And I was just, how do you spell it? She goes, A S K. I'm like, then why do you change the letters around to A K S? Yeah. She was like, oh, I don't know. And there's a Funkadelic song, uh, you know, Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah. And there's like this long jam. I think it's called Free Your Mind and Your Ass Will Follow. And it's like one of these 15-minute like Hendrix-esque acid-fueled jams. And there's a dude in the back just sort of shouting out, you know, what is soul? And like all this crazy. And he says, he says, um, help me escape. Escape. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, there's not an X in there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. So, so now that we've we've managed to offend uh, nobody, nobody yeah. gives a shit, right? You set that to eighty three. Yeah, I just cut it down because we look how high we are. Yeah, though. I yeah. used forty three. Wow. All right. So, not that it's better. I'm guessing it's better. We're, we're, yeah, we're in there yeah. in the middle somewhere. As long as we're not clipping, <laughs> you don't want to clip that shit. So anyway, so you've been in New York, based in New York now. What? Two months? Three, three months? Three months? Yeah. But you're on the yeah, road so much, July, it's not August. like a normal person moving. Yeah, I was gone it's last just like, like three a place weeks. to leave your shit. Not quite, but yeah. Yeah. And where are you living? East Village? East Village, yeah. And how you like 11th it? 11th and B. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's right on Tompkins Square Park. I just, dude, I get, I get high all day. I just wander around and look at people. Have you lived in New York before? No. No. You're not. You're from where? I was born originally. in New York, but that was okay. like two months. So uh, I was raised in North Carolina and Maryland. Ah, uh, okay, right. Um, yeah, I lived in Manhattan for three years. Yeah, in oh. fact, I lived right off Tompkins Square Park yeah. for a year. Uh, but that was back in the day. It was different then. Summer's just getting off, so all the NYU students are coming back. So you talk about my young fetish. <laughs> out of control right you now. like young Asians? What you like Asians? Yeah, sure, Asians? of course. Oh my god, I don't discriminate between people. <laughs> no, well, I mean, discriminate in a positive sense. Oh yeah, yeah. I, like I don't have a, I don't have what my friends would call Asianitis. I no. don't have that. No. Do you have a, any sort of racial preference for your lady friends? I guess white. Oh really? So you maybe, like, maybe like a like an olive brown Latino. Uh, Latina, nice Latina. Latina. Yeah, yeah. yeah careful that. with that. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. you know, that, that, that could get you in all sorts of trouble. <laughs> yeah. hey, I've been to Latinos. Okay. Christopher Street. <laughs> I got recommended the wrong bars. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a bear bar. Last time I was in New York, yeah. I, I was taken to a bear bar by Dan Savage. That was that really? was quite an evening. Yeah. A bear bar. Do you know what a bear bar is? I know what a bear is, but who would go there? Bears and people bears who like bears. Bears and people who like bears. Yeah. So it was more for them to hang out and then the others to like... Well, I guess bears, a lot of bears are attracted to other bears, you know. Oh, are they really? I guess. I, uh, I, I, I don't really know. I mean, I've only been that. to one bear bar, so I I'm hardly... I bears would never be into other bears, because they know how disgusting they are. <laughs> well, <laughs> and they would be like, yeah, of course we accept this. I think there's bear pride, you know. There's and then, pride. And the opposite of a bear is a twink, yeah. as I understand it, yeah, which is sort of a hairless adolescent type yeah. looking or, boy. Or chicken. Oh, I hadn't it's heard another, chicken. Yeah. There was a movie that I saw in one of the gay movie theaters in West Hollywood. The, the title was Taste Like Chicken. Um, and that was about, uh, I don't know what they were tasting on him, but I could <laughs> one, I guess. one guess. I have one guess, and then I have a couple side guesses in case that's wrong. <laughs> a backup guess, exactly. <laughs> Tastes like chicken. Uh, yeah. Well, I lived in San Francisco, too. There was a bar near where I live called the White Swallow. Oh, really? It was a gay bar. I yeah. went yeah, no birds involved. Yeah, the uh, I went with my my best gay friend in college, gay Andrew, 
He came to visit me in LA. Gay, once. gay Andrew. Gay is there a non-gay yeah, Andrew? Yeah, a straight Andrew. There must be. Yeah. Called him Strandrew and Gandrew. <laughs> Gandrew. Gandrew and Stranger. That's what that's what we called him. That's 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 good. And Gandrew was in the closet for so long. We were we were like, he was one of those that you're just like, like if you introduced you and then he left, you'd be like, oh cool, your He's your gay, gay friend yeah. is he coming back. Like you wouldn't even think to ask. Right. But he would always say, no, I'm not gay. And like, why do you wear so much purple? <laughs> and, he, and then junior year, he finally came out of the closet. He was like, okay, guys. You so much purple. Yeah, but he's like, guys, I have to talk to you. I'm gay. And we're like, we knew that. We didn't know what of us cared then. Why'd you wait two years? Yeah. But um, he came to visit me. Well, what did he place. say, though, when you said, why'd you wait two years? I mean, what, you we know? were outside Clucky Chicken at Mar- University of Maryland. And waiting to go in, the line was getting longer. Cluck was, you chicken. Yeah. And we were like, "That's a restaurant." Like, I have to talk to you. It's a college place to eat. Uh. Yeah, and that's why I said, "I was like, what the fuck? I knew that then. Let's just get some chicken." <laughs> like, what are we waiting for? I didn't care then. Yeah. Because I called him my gay friend. He said, "Stop saying that." He got really offended. And then, so he knew he, you he knew too. Oh right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody yeah. knew. Yeah. It wasn't like a hush hush. He, yeah. he was just—I don't know—he was embarrassed or something. Yeah. It gave you a little weird experience coming out here. Yeah. In America, yeah. The although I mean, it's cool. It's cool that you know. I mean, in his case, it's cool that he's already hanging out with people that he knows aren't mm-hmm. going to reject him. You know, because they're already <laughs> joking about it. I had a roommate for a while that was that same thing was gay but not out. Yeah, and um, and this is post college. I mean, into like, it was just like clearly gay, and I just all I did was kept trying to throw out hints to him that I'm cool with gay culture, right? To let him know, like, if well, you want to wear purple you open to me in no, solidarity just, like, or something. My gay friends and By the way, I wear purple. I resent stories. that. That no, he wore association. Like, purple. It was like six days a week. <laughs> <laughs> it was like grandiose. It was different in a way that they. No one gets queenie like gays get queenie. They know how to do that really well. <laughs> he was doing it all the time. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So so I've interrupted yeah, you like to, nine times here. Cool with him, but he never came out. I, mean, I don't think he's still out. Mm. Yeah. And really? He was a virgin at like 33, too. That was the extra detail on top oh, of right. like, where he Another was indication. Of, yeah. yeah. That's a tragedy. And that's a real yeah, tragedy. A tragedy. Because like, if you're gay, you can get laid a lot. Yeah. You really don't need to fun. be a virgin. <gasps> Even if you're like big, fat, and hairy, you're a bear. You know, great. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, there's some idiot chicken, some idiot twink that's going to be into you. <laughs> exactly. You fat, You're disgusting exactly pig. What they want. <laughs> exactly. You can get some NYU student. The thing about the ba- the bear bar, it was great. It was yeah. uh, they're really nice guys and everything. I was there with uh, with Dan and uh, his very good friend Andrew Sullivan. I don't yeah. know if you know who he is. Sounds Irish. He does. I think he's British, actually. Oh, but okay. um, that, but he's he's uh, was an editor at the Atlantic, and he has the the Daily Dish, which is one of the most read blogs oh, in well, the blogosphere. Heard his name before that. And he's like been to the White House a bunch of times. He's like a big shot uh, author uh, journalist, and he's a bear, and he loves bear. And his boyfriend's like an ultra bear. Uh, his boyfriend's like in a bear movie, and huh. you know, is this whole thing. But anyway, so I'm there in this in this bar, and the, the main problem was getting to the bar to get a drink because everyone in there is like three feet wide, oh, yeah. so you just just no bar clearance space at There's all. There's no reason to lose weight if you're into like if you're in bear culture and you're you're like put on a pedestal because of it. You're like, yeah. why would I? Right. Why did I drop ten? Well, you know, it's like it's like they're what, what are they called fatties, like people who are really into, into fat. fat people, and to the point where they'll like feed them constantly to make them fatter wow yeah wow 
Yeah, there's a lot of interesting shit out there. So what they did with, at that gay bar Andrew took me to, Andrew took me to Rage on West Hollywood, on like Santa Monica Boulevard, yeah. in the heart of what he called Mecca. Mecca. Um, <laughs> When they give you Which a bottle pisses of beer. off the Arabs out there. <laughs> yeah, I bet it does. <laughs> if they've co-opted, if one group could co-opt their word. Yeah, it's, right. They're like, it's the Jews. Like, what about the gays? Like, you're right. I didn't consider them. <laughs> That's way worse. That's way worse than the Jews. <laughs> but every time they give you a beer, they'd slam the beer down so it would, like, fizz up and, like, pour over. Uh-huh. So it would look like a, like uh, a dick coming. Oh, wow. And it was cool once. Right. But then it's like, my beer bottles are all wet and sticky now. I don't want that. Yeah, yeah, and tastes like chicken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like chicken is playing across the street. <laughs> so anyway, New York. Oh, yeah, I lived I lived uh, near Tompkins Square Park in 1986, 7. What was it? Where, well, the thing is, that's like on other sides of it, on like kitty corners. I was on the it. south side. I was just below Houston. Um, oh, okay, you're in the good part. No, that was that was, that was like gunshots at night. Uh, this is remember, this is the eighties. This was pre Giuliani. Now, once you get like house, once you get all the street names instead of yeah. like numbers, that's all great. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. C D E. That gets like bad. Yeah, yeah. No, in those pre- days, Giuliani. I mean, yeah, this was there was a lot of gang shit going on, and mm-hmm. you know, people taking a shit in your doorway. And Man, Giuliani made this place a safer place to live. You know, I think it was partly Giuliani and it was partly demographics. You know what? You know, a big part of it what? was. I mean, because you know, crime's been dropping all over the country, not just in the, oh, really? not just in New York. Yeah, I mean, New York, uh, violent crime rates are down to like where they were in the fifties. Yeah, it's like super low. My friend told me that I was like worried about like my windows on like do I need those bars? I didn't realize they were already on there. Yeah, and he goes, "Dude, look at the stats. Yeah, They're not like you remember it. Right, right. It's not like when I was here." I mean, when I was here, there were, I remember there was a spade of people, uh, you know, like just walking down the Chris, street. Chris, Chris, we don't, bro, what? we spade? don't call them that anymore, man. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's an old term for black people. <laughs> what, spade? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I am trying to be cool, man, but you can't. Oh, that's the, a spade too Ooh. far. <laughs> yeah. There was a spate with a T. Oh, okay. You right. know, yeah. like axed with a T. Uh, of uh, of like people just randomly knifing you. Oh, yeah. Oh. So like you know, five o'clock in the and not even midnight. You know, at night people walking home from work and they just walk by some dude and just like <laughs> knife in your back. You know, like oh, that's uncomfortable. Um, anyway, so it was a bad time. That was also when like early AIDS days, yeah. right? And there was like some guy running around sticking people with needles, oh. and you know, oh. and like it was just a really bad time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah, it was a rough, rough. So coming to New York now. Oh, anyway, the thing, the thing about the crime stats. One of yeah. the things that uh, the best arguments I've read for it is uh, eliminating leaded gasoline because what, the lead. Violent? Well, lead uh, creates um, uh, deficits in brain development in in kids and little kids wow. that makes them uh, lose impulse control and become more violent. Impulse control, and so you see as those kids age out of the the yeah, period uh, when there was leaded gas, crime doers, it it dissipates. Yeah, when was that? When did they make that? When did they when eliminate leaded gas? Probably in the late seventies. You know, there's another study. You ever read, read eugenics and um, study it at all? No, it's the idea that Eugen- uh, isn't that the the L. Ron Hubbard thing? No, that's um, some other genics. No, is it? 
I thought you Gen X. It might be a di- it's a different Gen X. <laughs> are you a fucking uh, what are they called? You and Tom Cruise? Are you a Scientologist? Now I'm There's finding another out. Gen X today. Yeah. Here today with Ari Shafir, <laughs> famed Scientologist <laughs> comedian. Are there any Scientologist nope. comedians? Nope. They wouldn't last nope. a second, would nope. they? Because you have to look at the world honestly, <laughs> and there's no way you can do that. And you're and you're hanging out with I people who are shit. just gonna like rip you apart for being yeah. full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, do you think comics are more honest than most? people yeah, because of so. the culture the more the, the the better they are not the better they are mm. that's how i shouldn't say that. i'll take that back well but there is a there is an if you're not honest as a comic you can't really be that good but you can, can have you? a different style like like mitch hedberg was honest to him to his own sense of humor but he wasn't really revealing anything of himself right you okay know, well, honest, yeah, honest and and discretion yeah. I run into that sometimes. But you can't be, you have to look at the world like through the, like, these glasses. I call them idiot colored glasses instead of rose colored glasses. We right. have to like see how everyone's wrong. You have to see how everyone's wrong. <laughs> that's how you're constantly looking Including for yourself. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, yourself. that's where but the honesty comes. Look at the other Scientologists. Yeah. You can't really be really religious either. Yeah, well, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. You just can't. I mean, I've gotten less religious, even though I was atheist before. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, you guys are idiots. You're beyond atheists. Yeah. What, what's past atheists? Uh, I mean, attacking the others, attacking theists. Oh, oh, so you're like one of those obnoxious Richard Dawkins atheists? Yeah, well, I want to be like, not quite, but I want to be, every time it comes up, like, okay, that's cool. Keep it in your own house. Right. Don't let it be part of public fucking, man, my words have gone way down yeah. since I've spoken this New York weed. <laughs> <laughs> you're losing your you're, you're losing vocabulary. vocabulary. It's going away. <laughs> uh, it's supposed to be the opposite. Wait, New really? York's supposed to increase. Oh yeah, New York. Yeah. Start reading more. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Honesty. Really, I'm 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 dealing with a bit of religion in this book I'm working on now. Yeah, and I'm I'm finessing it because they get I, really uptight. Well, the thing is, no, I, but I'm finessing it because I think uh, that there's a fundamentalism in some of the atheist community yeah. that I find just as limited and uh, reductionist. It's not nice. It's not pleasant. Well, I mean, you know, aside, like, aside from the social repercussions, yeah. right? Here's the thing. There's research that shows that if... If there's a word in your language for, uh, you know, like a color that we would call, you know, burnt amber or something like that, right? Yeah. But there's a, in your language, there's a specific word for it because maybe there's some fruit that when it's that color, you can eat color. it, you yeah. know. But if it's not that color, it's you know, whatever, orange. you know, or there's an animal you hunt that has that, whatever. So in your, in your language, you have a word for that. Now, they take people and they, sh- you know, flash colors at them. And if you have a word for that color, you respond, you recognize it quicker than someone who doesn't have a word for it. So, I mean, there's lots of research along those lines that suggests that the brain is, the architecture of the brain is formed in the belief system of the culture and in the language of the culture, right? So, I guess what I'm trying to say is people who are raised in a religious context see things differently than people who don't. Okay. And they're not full of shit necessarily. I was raised in a religious context. Right. Okay, so if you go to a temple and yeah. and you know their smells and their movements and their images and whatever, they're going to affect you in a in a completely different way than they would affect me. Mm-hmm. To me it's just like, well, interesting, whatever, yeah, you know. Smell it, 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 it harkens back a time and a place. Yeah. 
So I guess my point is, you know, it's like the placebo effect. It's real. The okay. placebo effect is no, real. The placebo is not. Find Jesus, and then they um, and they suddenly get their life back on track. It's like, well, I mean, I can see you're doing better. Right. Right. It's, so the effects. It's stupid that that's why. Right. Well, that's why like, I, I equate it with the placebo effect. The effects of it are real. The thing itself may it's just be real. a sugar just pill. Sugar. You know? I heard the study they're doing on placebo pills. That the different colors affect people differently. Oh, I haven't heard that. Oh yeah, yeah. The blue ones and the red ones really? are, all have different effects. The study I saw was um, that they told people they were getting a placebo. Yeah. For it was like low blood pressure, but they said, "But you were getting a sugar pill." Yeah. So you're you're in the control group, but their blood pressure would go down anyway, even yeah. if you told them they were yeah. getting one. Not if you didn't tell them. If you Just told the them. Just the act of taking a pill. Yeah, and then afterwards, maybe I heard this in NPR, and then afterwards, after the trial was done. Um, all these people were like, um, "Can I? I, I want to get those placebo pills. <laughs> can I buy my blood pressure? Is now gone up because I can't take them anymore. <laughs> and that no, no CVS would sell to them because <laughs> like we don't sell placebos. Like, well, please, someone. I don't want to. I want the blood best placebo. Yeah. So okay, you know, colors affect it too. Here's a weird thing. Yeah. What if the what if the company making placebo pills has been putting shit in them all these years? Oh, like real, you know. Or the other thing, like you you said the term sugar pill. You always hear sugar pill. Yeah. Well, what if the sugar has some effect? Oh yeah. Why and why are they putting sugar in them anyway? It's yeah, a why pill. Just leave it blank. You don't need sugar. You're swallowing it. You're not chewing it and savoring the sweetness. Yeah, you're right. So why is there sugar yeah. in them anyway? Yeah, what does that do? Yeah. Maybe I don't know, but placebo is really interesting. Maybe I was ten doctors listening, going, "Ugh, idiot!" Because otherwise, <laughs> they just know the answer. It's like, well, there is no otherwise. sugar or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's just called a sugar pill. Yeah. So the uh, <laughs> all right, other uh, another interesting placebo thing. There's a book. There's a book called uh, "Lives of a Cell." It's a classic. Lewis Thomas was written mm -hmm. in the '70s. He was a um, director of one of the hospitals here in New York. You know, top flight scientist, whatever. Uh, oncologist, I believe. And there, he, he, he sort of talks about how the Earth is a cell. It was around the same time, a lot of Gaia stuff, you know, the Earth the, 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 as a living organism and all that. Okay. And But it's very interesting. He talks in one chapter, he talks about uh, warts, yeah. right? And how cultures all over the world have their their uh, uh, what's it called? Like they sort of grandmother thing, you know, uh -huh. for Touching dealing for with wart. wart. To, well, and how oh. to get rid of them? Okay, like like in Ireland, you cut a potato in half, you rub the wart with half the potato, you bury the other one, or you walk around with it on your head, or you something with the full moon. I don't know. Every culture's got some shit like that, right? And they all work. Oh, really? Yeah, they all work. They all get rid of warts, wow. right? It's the placebo effect because it has nothing to do with a fucking potato or a piece of garlic or, She's you know, putting your mind to it. Right. So what he said, this is an oncologist who runs a hospital, right? And he's like, let's think about that. Okay. These, this works. It's all over the world. It works. It's all bullshit. We all know it's bullshit, yeah, but it works. Potatoes won't do it. Burying right? another half a potato won't do it. Under a full moon, yeah. blah, 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 right? Oh, I didn't hear that. But you, oh, then it does work. Yeah, then it's fine. <laughs> but, yeah. you, but you wake up in the morning and the wart's gone, yeah. okay? So what's that mean? It means that somehow the body is distinguished. The immune system is distinguishing between wart cells and non-wart cells. Yeah. And it's eliminating the wart cells while leaving the cells around it completely intact based and untouched. Intention. Based upon some subconscious mechanism that you've activated with this ritual. Wow. And he said, why the fuck are we not spending hundreds of millions of dollars researching that? Because that's what we're trying to do with cancer. 
with radiotherapy, with chemotherapy. We're trying to eliminate the tumor cells without fucking up the rest. And we're poisoning the person. We're destroying their quality of life. We're doing all this stuff. All this... And the mechanism already exists in the body, and yeah, nobody's looking at it. Trying to get it because there's no fucking money in it. Oh yeah, because you teach people how to do that through hypnosis or whatever, and sure they cure their cancer, but Pfizer doesn't get their <laughs> cut. You know, yeah. it's it's pretty amazing. Those um those pill companies are some of the most evil in the world. They're pretty fucking evil, and I say that I'm married to a psychiatrist who's oh. dealt with them a lot. Did you hear that thing they did? Some study in some African um, country. It's a polio cure. That's what they're marketing it as. What is it? This polio cure. Polio. Huh? They're testing a, a pill. Uh-huh. And they gave 100, however many people, um, and they gave 10% of them uh, a, um, a placebo. But the polio cure was not, they were not researching a polio cure. They were researching a, some other pill. And it killed 90%. The people took left ten percent free because they took a placebo, but those ten percent all got polio because they thought they were taking a polio vaccine, and they weren't. So it's just like, oh, not only are you killing everybody or just testing on yeah. humans. Well, my uh, my favorite show. horrible story along those lines is when Nestle uh, yeah. decided that they would make money selling their. I guess they had a whole shitload of um, uh, baby formula, yeah. you know, powdered baby formula that was like expired, so they couldn't sell it in Europe or the U.S. Yeah, but it was still fine, you know. So they decided they'd sell it in Africa. So they got all these Africans and dressed them up in like white smocks to look like doctors, and they went in villages and teaching women how to make use this baby formula and telling them all that it was much better for their babies because white people use it of course so yeah. you know what now two problems one breastfeeding is much better than any fucking formula anywhere two the water that they were using was contaminated oh, so they killed no. hundreds of thousands of babies with this shit making people instead of using breast milk use formula right using something they didn't need in the first place paying oh. money they didn't have for Just it and killing it. their kids you know because they had surplus supply welcome that's to the who runs fucking our capitalism yeah that's who runs the whole fucking world yeah, yeah. not just government yeah did you see that film there's a uh, Steven Soderbergh his last film no uh, I forget what it's called, but it's about uh, you know high-end pharmaceutical corruption oh, and really? bizarreness. Yeah, corruption. Yeah. It's going to happen at any level of anything. It's everywhere. Just you today, get power. They are going to be. Someone's going to say, "Hey, can I just get a little more out of this?" And it's not even a. It's that's yeah. human thought. That's a normal human thought. Well, and it's also you know I I wrote about this in Sex of Dawn and and in the book I'm working on now. It, it's about to me. I think. It's a human thought when you're dealing with other people that are abstractions. Yeah, when you don't actually see a person going off to fight in a war, we're like, all right, right. we'll lose a thousand casualties in this. Yeah. That's the over-under. Right. What did Stalin say? Like, one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's really true. And they raise speed limits. If it's from 55 to 60, they are saying we are going to have, and they know a number of more deaths on average a year by raising that five miles an hour. Right. But they're like, it's worth the extra, t- like the less time going to work. It's worth seven deaths. Whatever yeah. it is, they decide. And if, yeah. if five miles an hour raises at 100, they're like, eh, it's not worth 100 deaths. So we just won't do it. Yeah. But it's just a statistic. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the problem. When you get into government, you know, you do have to think that way because, yeah. you know, you're dealing with 
But, you know, as far as it being a human thing, I think it's a human thing to be heartless when you're dealing with abstraction. Yeah, sure. But when you're dealing with actual individuals, it's human to be much more compassionate. And the, the conflict between those two things is all about scale, right? Whereas hunter-gatherers lived in, organ in, in societies where everyone knew each other, so they acted a different way. Yeah. And then when population gets, you know, above a certain point where you can't know everybody, can't know then you act a different way. Yeah. And that's why people in New York are all just fucking look away from each other. Nobody interacts because they're all just like, there's too yeah. many crazies. <laughs> it's not like we have 100 people and there's yeah. one crazy and we know to stay away from Rodney. Right. You know? <laughs> stay it's away like, from Rodney. It's like there could be anybody. Like Rodney. It's got to be anyone. Rodney. At any time, there's yeah. 20,000 people in the city that might fling shit at your face. <laughs> And so you're like, it's just not, when people say, excuse me, everyone just turns away. <laughs> yeah, just although like, I, I got to say, New York to me is is exceptional in the respect. Cassie and I were just talking about this yesterday. Because there's a lot more eye contact here than in L.A. Oh, yeah. You know? It's a walking city. And people are cool. People are, New Yorkers are, and what I love about New York is it doesn't feel like an American city to me. It no. feels like a world city. And I can't think of another city the like metropolis. that. I mean, Paris is a French city. Beijing's a Chinese city. Bangkok's a Thai city. They're all international, but New York, to me, it's like the UN, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay, let's put the UN yeah, in like New that. York. New York's not America, it's everywhere. Yeah. You know? It's. But there's no rural, there's no like small town of this in this place at all. No. People left their small towns and come here, but it's just like. Yeah. And you leave that shit yeah, behind. Yeah, people talk to each other at bars and things when they're out. They they, they interact. Yeah, because New Yorkers are like, fuck it, you know, yeah. whatever. There's there's a there's a I don't know what the word is. There must be some Latin phrase that. Eye contact is different than when somebody says excuse me to someone else, <laughs> or like do you? Have, I when I was but here, but you can ask people for directions in New York and they'll talk to you. I was uh, interviewing at NYU to try to get in, failed. <laughs> a um, long time ago. Yeah, or just a long recently? time ago when really? I was going into college. Um, and I asked somebody for the time for like 15 minutes. People were just passing by me, left and right, and refused. Like, excuse me, do you have? A, excuse me, excuse me, do you have the time? And finally, one guy said, "One guy, as I parked, I said, do you have a time?" And he turned around. and goes, "Oh, I thought you said, do you have a dime?" And he goes, "Yeah, it's 11:15." I was like, "Jeez, it took me 10 minutes to get the time from people." Now that was 20 years ago, but yeah. Yeah. So you didn't get in. What were, what were you going to study in NYU? Oh, film? I was just going to get in and figure it out. <laughs> that might have been the problem. Yeah. I, don't know, I just went in. Nobody knows, and you apply to college. But you go. pretend you know. Yeah. I and especially for NYU because it, you know it's got the famous. You know, I went film to Yeshiva University for a year. Oh. In like Spanish Harlem. Great basketball team. <laughs> and then um, thanks, and then um, I transferred to Maryland. That thanks was, by the way, that thanks was that for was the waitress. surly waitress. Dude, you can leave this playing when people order beers and stuff. You don't have to pause it for that. Yeah. People yeah. like knowing that they were, like, in a conversation. They, they were in a real place. Here comes here comes my girl. Yeah. <laughs> was that good? Did that do okay for you? <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> uh, okay, hold on. That's, That's hilarious, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> can I say you guys don't hype from that stuff, do you? No. Oh, yeah. I gave your wife some weed. <laughs> and she came back, zonked out. Zonked she was like, out. I couldn't leave the room. <laughs> it was so hard to leave the room. <laughs> so Ari Shafir got my psychiatrist's wife stoned. First Let it be known. It's always the biggest high. Oh, first yeah. high of the day is biggest. If it's been a yeah. week, forget about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You'll love Portland. Uh, yeah. Everybody's got a plant in their backyard. And it's cool. It's yeah, cool to grow they there. Just don't care. So everyone, yeah. not, there's no places to buy it like at stores. Yeah. But everyone has, and it's like they grow tomatoes, and they're like, no, no, man, take one of my tomatoes. Yeah. I of want course. you to like this. Yeah. Well, we we grow in Spain, really, you know, and everybody, it's it's completely cool. Is People, it legal there? Yeah, and like, it's legal to grow and to use. It's not legal to sell. Oh, cool. So nice. I yeah. Like that. <laughs> right. And so it's like you know, if you've got five plants, it's that's cool. Yeah. No, that's cool. It's yeah. like yeah, five. You know, whatever. Oh, you get ten. It's like oh, it's me and my wife. You know. Yeah. Okay. And they don't. And the judges don't know. Like you know, sinsamia. You know what I mean? What's it's Without seeds, that, I mean, everything you smoke is sinsamia. It's it's the the female plant, right? Um, so even the cocktail napkins here are cool. The Jane, yeah, the very nice, very nice. Nineteen oh seven. But uh, yeah, so Portland, New, NYU. What the hell were we talking about? I, 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 about I we, we were just York. like all yeah. We it's were been cool here. It's been shaking me up. Which is yeah. Nice. Okay. So that, that's what I wanted to get at. Like you're happy. You're you're digging yeah, it here. I, I mean, part of it is for a lot of reasons. I came more stand up as I get more into stand up and less into acting. Uh huh. Um, my focus anyway. But like uh, another part of it was like I want to date a black chick for a couple months. I want to like see new streets. And meet new people. Yeah. How and old are you? forces man? you. 39. Yeah. But I'm like, Good. I could have died in L.A. real easily and just never left. Yeah. So I'm like, let's move around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, shake it up. Why not? Yeah. You know? And you're not you're not married. You don't have kids. No. You're not, like, fucking other people's lives up by, yeah. by, right, by disrupting. Moving. My friend Tom, who doesn't have a kid, but he's married. <laughs> he's great. Passing out on his shoulder. <laughs> he's like, I want to go to New York. I'm like, you should do it then. He goes, well, I got a wife. Like, that's it? Just a wife? Yeah. And come with her or see her. Luckily, I've got a wife I can drag wherever the hell, you know, as long as I get her stoned occasionally. (laughs) She's okay. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. No, Cassie was working her ass off in Barcelona. And two years ago, uh, you know, our book was out and we started to make a little money from the book. And and I was feeling the same way you were. It's like, because I've lived all over the world and, you know, and I never wanted to have kids. And one of the reasons was, hey, I I always want to be able to get up and go. It's an anchor. Yeah, and and the yeah. world's a big, beautiful place, and and if you're getting bored, you're dying, you know. And so there's no excuse to just. I mean, so many people when they have kids, they sacrifice that, and, and I think yeah. that's a noble yeah, thing, you know. I mean, if you're gonna have kids, I then do have not kids. think it's a normal thing. A noble, noble thing. no. I well, I think not. it's. I think it's. Well, look, intentionally sacrificing. I moved a lot as a life. kid. Yeah. Okay, because my my parent, my father changed his job a lot, and it sucked. All right, yeah. in the end, it was a good thing, but it was it was emotionally difficult to always be the new kid. I went to three different high schools in four years, you know, and I'm not complaining, but I'm saying I can understand somebody who says, "What I want to do is have a family and give them stability, and you know, raise them in a small town, and so I'm not going to go to the big city." And right. you know, there's something admirable in that, is what I'm Here's saying. Here's what noble is. Nobles be one of the people that worked at Fukushima Power Plant that said, I know I'm going to die if I go in there and fix this wall. That's I'm gonna go ahead and a whole different level of noble. Somebody. We need somebody to do that. We yeah. don't need anyone to have kids. We've got enough. Oh, yeah. It's okay. being taken yeah. care of. It is not <laughs> noble. There are plenty is, of kids. Uh, it is yeah. not necessary at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying if you're going to have kids, yeah. you know, there's a nobility. now? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm. Oh, yeah? No, no, okay, no. Are you kidding me? I can't even handle the cats. I got two cats. They're with my ex girlfriend for two years now, 
And we left Spain for a couple of months. Yeah. And two years later, she's like, still got your cats. um, They're starting to miss their pop. (laughs) I mean, they forgot who we were a long time ago. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, what the fuck are we talking about? Oh, oh, you moving. Yeah, yeah. It's It's been cool. It's It's great. Trying to make new friends. That part's cool where it's like, I was talking to uh, Joe Rogan about it recently and, and just seeing new streets and stuff. And he's saying one of the reasons he read about um, Alzheimer's, causes Alzheimer's, is getting into too much of a routine. Right. Sure. You know, when you go yeah. to new restaurants and, and take different routes to work. Learn just, new languages. Learn yeah. to play a musical instrument. Yeah. yeah just like, keep, we're not living till 40 anymore. We're living till, yeah. uh, as of like, I saw a study like 15 years ago, every other child born in England, as of 15 years ago, will live to 100. Yeah. So it's like we're living long, in England. It's like I'm 40. Yeah, Who England, the fuck wants first to live 100 country. years That's where the study England. was taken. Yeah. But like we're all living super long. If I'm 40 now, if you're what, 45? Uh-huh. Me? 45? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. What are you? 50, 51. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. But I look 45, don't yeah. I? I? Yeah, I look like a 45-year-old Philip Seymour oh. Hoffman. Yeah. But it's like you still have half your life left. Yeah. You're not done. What do you want to pull up like? Put an anchor in and just stop there. What the there. fuck did you do to my wife, man? She's, <laughs> it's she's I got collapsing. Here. She is collapsing. <laughs> she's not used it's to this New York. Here. How yeah. much did you smoke? <laughs> yeah, you really? Did you smoke the whole joint? Some of it. Oh, she smoked a whole joint. Oh wow! Oh, you're obliterated. Nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, thanks. Yeah, my evening's shot. All right, thanks a lot. I'm so, so much for my big <laughs> Saturday night in New York. <laughs> you smoked a whole joint. Aren't your lungs hot? She's not able to answer anything. <laughs> I miss that. That's the problem with being a pothead. I miss getting obliterated sometimes. <laughs> Just like I ain't gonna be useful for about three and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's well, so nice. This is the uh, perfect city to do it. Yeah. Just wander around and look at people. Well, if I can get her out the door, she wouldn't yeah. leave the room there for a while. Get a one hitter. Go get a, any pipe shop. Yeah, get a one hitter. That's go what nuts. we'll do. Yeah, one hitter, not one joiner. Yeah. <laughs> she smoked a whole joint. <laughs> when I said it, I was like, "No way!" When it came to my mind, that's crazy. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, Cassie never smoked. I mean, Cassie was raised Muslim in yeah. in Mozambique, oh, really? right? Never smoked, never drank, like completely oh, innocent good girl. Out. When then she met me, oh boy, things went awry. And I remember <laughs> the first time she got high. Uh, you know how like uh, how old were you the first time you got high? Um, college. Oh, well, you were a late bloomer. Yeah, yeah. and I was fifteen, oh, wow. and I just remember. You know, it was this typical thing where you, you smoke and you're like, oh, I don't feel anything. And then, you know. <laughs> Wander around and then, yeah. whoa. Well, but I had a friend who's like, you know, no, we're going to go. And one day we skip school and we're like, we're going to go to your house and we're going to smoke until you're high. You know, whatever it takes. And I remember just smoking and smoking and smoking. And finally, I remember looking at the dial of my stereo. Yeah. And just cracking up. <laughs> there was something so fucking funny about the dial of my stereo. And. Anyway, so, you know, but it's like you're 15 and you're rolling on the floor laughing your ass off. You can't stop and your face hurts and, you know, that whole thing. That happened to Cassie at 39. Oh, wow. She went through that whole thing, which I sort of thought was adolescence. It was just new. But it's just the phase. It's yeah. just getting used to being, you know, stoned. Oh, yeah, getting yeah. it. Like, yeah. Man, those first times, I don't even like it. You just chase the dragon after that. That's all it really is. Just chasing that first time. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, chase the dragon. You know what that means? Chase the dragon, really? It's it's smoking heroin. Oh yeah. yeah. They try to get back to that same high, right? No, it's it's uh you put the a line of heroin on aluminum foil mm-hmm. and you hold a straw in your mouth and you put the flame under the foil because you, you can't chase it along and it smokes and you Smoke the you chase the smoke of the dragon. dragon. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. At least that's what I was told in Thailand by the junkies I was hanging out with. Thailand must have some serious junkies, huh? Yeah, up in Chiang Mai. Yeah, the golden triangle. They're allowed to do anything they want, right? Well, you're not really allowed, but that's where 80 percent of the heroin in the world comes from. So that's the you know, it's like going to you know, what's in Bogota for by one of those um, boy girls in Thailand. <laughs> yeah, you look I've hard been. at them, and you're like, I don't know. Well, I remember Cassie and I were at Nana Plaza, which is like a strip club mecca in 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 yeah. Bangkok, and we would hang out in these bars and just watch the people come and go. And you'd see these dudes walking in, you know, sixty year old guys walking in, hold hand in hand with, and you say, Does that guy know? Oh, right, you're like, I you don't know? know if he knows. It, yeah, it's it's and butterfly. And the way we could tell was that they were too pretty they were just too you know like everything was exaggerated like a woman wouldn't walk quite that sexily you know what i mean oh right it's like too much it was just like a friend noticed too they always have names here they always rename themselves and it's like shabutiful these grand names shabutiful lady once a lot or something i don't know it's just like these He's like, they just go too much. It's like, yeah, nobody yeah. walks that way. It's a dude thing. I think it yeah. must be a dude thing to like go take it like, a little too far. I'm not going to be a girl. I'm going to be the best girl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm going to be the sexiest. Yeah. 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 Well, listen, man, I know, I know you got to take off, and I have to take my wife to a hospital. Um, <laughs> so the, the ambulance will be here any minute. <laughs> but, yeah, thank you. Nice this is great to see you and, and get a podcast out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see you next time I'm in Portland. Yeah, definitely. We'll be definitely. I'll probably be like, by the way, Maybe thank you. Shit. I was publicly thank you for uh, for getting us in to see you and, and Rogan in Vancouver. That was a such time. a great show. Thanks. Yeah, it was great. And then and then I don't know if, if you know Joe was like texting me after, like, dude, let's have dinner. I oh, saw really? you in the audience, you know. But then you guys, I guess, got so caught up taking pictures. Oh, so it's so last, cool. Like, like he'd take half. all those pictures yeah. with people. Yeah. Those giant shows. Everyone and Red Band in the back making faces over their shoulders. How many goofy faces can you make? He used to try to like see people's profile pictures from MySpace days of his face to back and collect those pictures. He Did he invent photobombing? No, uh, but it's he hilarious. Up, he's he's like, really good yeah. at it. Yeah, he really was. <laughs> it, it helps that Rogan's a little short, so there's always that uh-huh. space, you know, of and people complain, like, that guy messed on picture. And he goes, who? That's preposterous. Who's that guy? <laughs> Pretend like he didn't know him. <laughs> oh, man, really that's like great. Him. Are you uh, still touring with Rogan? Or a little you bit. On your own? Or you mostly on my own. That's great, man. Yeah. So how, how are the new rooms in New York? Are you, like, and that it's must great. be The stand is awesome. I go there a lot. The Comedy Cellar, Stand Up New York. I just kind of go all over. I'm going to the Comedy Cellar. I'm going to be on their podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, in a day or two. I don't remember oh, which nice. day this week. Monday. I think okay. it's Monday night. Yeah. All yeah. right. So I'll say hi for you. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> Thanks. All right. <laughs> um, all right. Bye, Chris. <laughs> Baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you wanna feel. Say what you wanna say. You're gonna die one day. For example, I could kiss 
Smoke alarms will dance into the dark.